0: Hello everybody, this is Father Tom Provenzano coming to you with kind of a special episode of the Axe Podcast Uh, this is going to be very short uh, today, but I didn't want this day to go by without commenting on the March for Life Uh, as I am recording this, uh, just around 8 o'clock in the morning uh, people are already beginning to gather in Washington, D.C. for the annual March for Life where not just Catholics, but really people of, of many different faiths, uh, Protestants, Evangelicals, uh, Jews, Muslims, uh, all who stand for the sanctity of life from the moment of conception till till natural death, gather uh, in order to uh, exercise their citizenship and their civic rights, in order to uh, redress the, you know, their grievances to... The uh, in this case, directly to the Supreme Court. And we know that there's a very big case in front of the Supreme Court that decision will come down in, in June, and we, we pray that you know the, the, the value of life is protected and defended and that Roe v. Wade is overturned. Uh, but, you know, I've, I, for a very long time I've reflected that these are good things. I've, I've participated in the March for Life several times in the past, I think it's a good thing to do, especially pray for them today because it's going to be very cold out there. You know, my experience is you never know what you're going to get weather wise. Some days you get temperature not so bad, but it being very rainy and muddy and, you know, just a sloppy mess there on the on the national mall. And other days like this where it's a frozen tundra and you're really you can't feel your toes after a certain point. But these are all things we do, these are all sacrifices we make and that we offer up for this cause. And I ask all of you, yes, to to offer up your prayers, offer up your fastings, abstain from meat today, whatever it is that you you need to do in order to spiritually join in in solidarity with those who are who are marching for for life and for an end to abortion. But you know what I've often reflected on to get back to to say what I've often reflected on is that we can change laws. I mean, laws are. are that's great. You know, overturn Roe versus Wade. Things return to the states. And, and that's where the kind of struggle returns to. And some states will have, you know, the stricter uh, controls on abortion. Some might even uh, abolish abortion altogether. Other states are going to have very liberal and loose abortion laws. And okay, it becomes a 50-state battle rather than a, a you know, supreme, a battle with, with one branch of the um, of the government, the Supreme Court, and don't think it, w- it it might not become a federal issue if if the Congress or the Senate decides it wants to pass some type of bill that you know somehow you know makes abortion a federal uh a, f- a federal matter, a federal law. I don't know. I don't put anything past uh, the the forces of death on this on this particular issue. But you know, beyond changing laws, we really need to change hearts because you know there's a there's a mentality behind this pro death movement and there are some who do really see this as a matter of rights as a matter of so-called reproductive rights or women's rights or you know bodily autonomy and i think a lot of those people are sincere i think most of those people are sincere but I also think that there are deeper forces at work here, and deeper and maybe more nefarious agendas at work here, because you know, remember, you know, those who are really pushing this, you know, culture of death agenda, the the strongest are those who would call themselves progressives, and you know, you always have to a progressive always has to, like the word says, keep progressing, and so it's not enough to let's say have a, a legalized abortion un, you know up until viability let's say you know up, up up until the the second or third trimester we have to have it till birth and if you have it till birth why can't you have it after birth i mean a baby is not really viable outside the womb without significant attention from a parent or from you know some caregiver you know and there are very serious philosophers, <laughs> who, uh, you know, who teach at major universities will argue, yeah, up until two years old, you should be able to, you know, engage in infanticide. You know, the child uh, really can't function on its own, is really not a person in the way that we we think, doesn't have the cognitive ability and, you know, doesn't have the brain development. So, you know, you should be able to do that. Now, again, most people would be horrified at that, but there are, you know, very serious people. Who would argue that? Okay, so so not just okay. So who else isn't a person? <laughs> you know, a preborn child isn't a, isn't a person. In some people's minds, a, a, a even a even a baby after birth isn't really a, a person in the in the full sense of of the word. How about a person who is born with severe birth defects or cognitive defects? How about those with uh, Down syndrome? You know, should we be able to just eliminate them? How about the old and the infirm? After they've, uh, maybe they've got Alzheimer's, they've got some real, or uh, are, are demented literally, they've got dementia. Should we be able to just, you know, put them, again, in the name of, of, uh, of mercy? Again, the, this language that appeals to, the, appeals to the ears and appeals to the heart. And yes, I am a cynic when it comes to, it comes to these arguments because I think that they have more to do with, you know, on the one end, population control, uh, on the one end, eugenics, this idea that, that we can perfect humanity and there is a need to sort of get rid of that which is imperfect in order to continue to make the perfect race and on the other end you know we need to keep costs down you know healthcare is a public good and it's something that we all share in and we need to keep we need to keep the cost of healthcare under control and you know to just you know keep old people alive for you know indefinite periods of time that just throws all the actuarial tables out of out of whack and really puts too much of a of a strain and a stress on on our our public services and so you know it's really for the good of the collective it's for the good of the country that we just you know you know let these let these people not just let these people you know die naturally but maybe you know help the process along a little bit of course in the name of mercy as well as in the uh, uh, name of civic responsibility Uh, all these yes are nefarious All these really are evil All these are an expression Of a culture of death That views people as machines That views people as Just, you know Cogs in the societal machine That can be swapped in and swapped out And can be eliminated If somehow they don't really, you know they no longer have usefulness, and you know we, we do a, a you know cost benefit analysis on how many you know how many uh, people you know can be supported by you know the, uh, the the public welfare and the and the public trough. It's all yes, it's it's all nefarious. It's all rooted in a mentality. That doesn't see human beings as being created in the image and likeness of God, each with an individual destiny, each with an individual dignity and that yes, community is important, and we should oh you know we should uh, foster a sense of of community life and of community responsibility, but it's always built on top of this understanding of who the human person is as an individual and their dignity as an individual. And yes, their right to life, their right to prosper, their right to thrive. And whether they are perfect or imperfect, and obviously we know there's no perfect person but Jesus Christ, all of us are imperfect. Whether they they meet whatever standard uh, we feel uh Is is worthy of dignity and worthy of respect. Uh, We respect all life. We respect all people, and so we need to have this change in mentality. You know, I mean, Pope Francis, for his part, talks a great deal about the disposable society that we are becoming—a society built on convenience and on things. And increasingly, people as being disposable. Uh, that if it's the, if a if a person is inconvenient, as a, if a pregnancy is inconvenient, that we can just dispose of it and put it away, instead of really doing the human thing, which is to care for those who are the weakest and the least, and to ensure that all life is protected and given that opportunity to live and to thrive we need to have a, a change of heart and a change of mentality in seeing pregnancy and yes motherhood and fatherhood not as obstacles to human thriving but really at the core of what it means to be human and at a core at the core of what it means to grow and develop as a mature and fully realized human being. Now I know you can see what well, father you're. A, you're a celibate priest. Yeah, I'm a celibate priest, and but I've been asked by God to give up that aspect of my humanity, not because it's bad. It's it's actually very good, but to to give myself in another way. You know the the, the role. Of, you know we don't call priest father for nothing. He really is meant to be a father figure. And, you know, in baptism, I help give birth to new life through the sacraments. Hopefully, as a teacher of the faith, I'm helping to guide and to nourish and to foster people along on their road to faith toward God. Okay, it's not exactly the same thing as physical fatherhood, as biological fatherhood, but it's meant to be sort of a shadow of that. And it's meant to be something that is life giving and life sharing and life nurturing and so yes i give I give that part of myself up to God to be at service to him, but it's not uh it's not to reject one responsibility in order to avoid the responsibility it's it's rejecting one responsibility. it's not rejecting that's the wrong word it's it's forsaking one responsibility. Uh, in order to accept another, Uh, and to accept, to kind of give up one cross in order to bear another, to give up one joy in order to enjoy another. Uh, And so, yes, I will will end here. Again, I didn't want to make this too long. I want to make sure I I have this posted uh, early, but just pray for those that are are marching today. Again, it's very cold down there in Washington. Uh, I've heard talk that the the city down there might make it a little difficult for the marchers this year with all the different uh, requirements they may be putting on, and you know, in the name of COVID. So, pray for them and pray for the success of of, of this uh, of this march. And let's maybe say together. We didn't pray at the beginning, but let's maybe pray now. Uh, a Hail Mary for the intention of the success of the march today. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Mary, help of Christians, pray for us. All right. God bless you. We'll be back. We'll be back with the novena to Don Bosco tomorrow and with the the regular weekend edition as well, either tomorrow or on Sunday. Please pray for me. Know that I'm praying for you. and, And please pray that more hearts and minds are changed, that we may turn this culture of death into a culture of life. All right. Goodbye. God bless And I'll be talking to you soon.